Okay, uh, hey guys, uh, welcome to Data Whisper podcast, uh, episode one, how to get hired as an analyst at a Fortune 500 company, sponsored by Echo. Echo is a data warehouse that can help you connect, transform, and analyze big data. Um, today, I'm very excited to have Chi join us as our first guest, and we will have roughly 40 to 45 minutes to exchange ideas with Chi, and 15 to 20 minutes for you guys to ask Chi any questions. So, um, <clears throat> Chi is a supply chain manager at Boston Scientific, a global medical device company. Boston Scientific is a global manufacturer and distributor of medical device covering many different surgical procedures, such as cardiovascular stents, pacemaker, etc. So, yeah. Hi, Chi. How's your day going? Um, hi, Jack. Well, great to be here. Thank you for, for having me. Uh, my day is going great. I've you know, finished off another week and uh, sitting here in the lovely Friday evening in Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to have you here. And yeah, can you just briefly introduce yourself to all of us, like maybe a little bit more about your career background? Sure, yeah. Well, uh, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Chi. Uh, Zane. Um, I am a Canadian working and living in the U.S. Um, my background is in mathematics. Um, I, I went to uh, University of Waterloo in, in Canada where I studied mathematics um, and uh, I was at a co-op program there so I had the chance to um, work a lot during my college years. So I had a little bit of taste of consulting. I worked in hydro um, I worked in career development, so, you know, tested a lot of, a lot of waters. Um, and after college, um, I took a, a dream job, actually. I took an international job um, as an overseas operations manager um, at Mindray Electronics. So that's another um, medical device manufacturer. Um, um, I was stationed in, in, in Europe actually, um, because I was responsible for the Germany and Italy branch, um, enjoyed Europe a lot, uh, did a lot of traveling. Um, well, during my time there though, because, uh, the European offices were sales offices. So I was doing more sales and, um, operations work. I realized that, you know, there is just a lot to be optimized in operations from a, um, um, uh, not the front office, but, but, but back office level, you know, in, in supply chain and manufacturing. Um, so I decided, so after two years, it was a great two years, I decided to go back to school again, um, get a little more experience. And I was lucky enough to, um, to uh, get in MIT where I did my uh, master in supply chain management. And after graduation from MIT, um, I decided to stay in Boston because it's such a be beautiful city. Um, I still wanted to do healthcare. Um, so um, I took a job at Boston Scientific and, and, and stayed here. And here I'm now. Yeah, cool, cool. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, uh, it seems like you have many years of experience um, before joining Boston Scientific. And I'm just curious, like, what made you decide to join them and why Boston Scientific? Well, I having worked in medical uh, device industry before, um, I always knew that uh, uh, Boston Scientific was a very highly regarded company in its um, product uh, quality, 
um, in its uh, in, in in its corporate culture um, and uh, um, and it's in its uh, innovation and ability to kind of reinvest back into R and D. So that was pretty important to me. Um, I all I decided very early on that I was going to stay in the healthcare industry because um, it's a very special type of supply chain where everything you do, uh, even if it's just some Excel work and whatnot, it ends up impacting patients' lives somewhere. It ends up, you know, not maybe not necessarily saving somebody's life, but making somebody's life a little better. So, um, yeah. So um, I only apply to uh, healthcare jobs. Um, and uh, yeah, so so it was a yeah, dream yeah, yeah. That for sounds me. very like fortunate to have a dream come true. So um, yeah, I also um, like took a little snippet in your linking. Like it seems like like since two thousand and seventeen, you went through like two major promotions in three years, like from senior analyst to principal analyst and to a manager. So um, how did your responsibilities differ when you switch from those different roles, like from a senior to principal and to a manager? Yeah, so uh, when I first joined at the senior analyst level, um, your day-to-day uh, -day tasks were pretty much mapped out. Like uh, when they were hiring, they, they knew exactly what you needed to do, right? So they could have, you know, work, vacant, um, vacancy, and they just wanted you to fill it. Now, I mean, ask. Even if you are a senior analyst. Pardon? I mean, even if, if you are a senior analyst, but not a junior, right? I mean, senior level just means you have work, uh, years of work experience and you'd be involved in more involved uh, type of tasks. Um, I, uh, I never worked as a junior analyst, so I guess I, I can't really answer for that part. Um, but somebody like a junior analyst will be somebody who's fresh out of school, um, you know, not a whole lot of technical background and things like that. Um, it's pretty common for a graduate level person to be, uh, to enter the job force as a mid-level or uh, sometimes senior level analyst. It's pretty common. Um, and then... Well, and then as I um, took more responsibilities, um, I got promoted to principal. And at the principal level, you need to start to take ownership, meaning you need to own projects. You need to own functions. Uh, while I was the principal analyst, I, I worked on a lot of metric dashboards, uh, developing, developing them end-to-end, um, uh, -end, uh, not only you know executing on it, but also building the structure, um, you know, thinking, you know, three year, five year down the road, 10 years down the road, how is this capability going to evolve? Um, and, uh, and really just take that ownership end to end. Um, and um, as my work, I guess, gained more visibility and, uh, 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 you know, sort of like naturally I was promoted to, to manager position. And here you need to take ownership to the next level. Um, whereas, you know, not only you yourself have to do a lot of good work, but how do you, how do you empower your team? So it's like a one plus one greater than two that you deliver not only one piece of great work, but more than two pieces of great work. I see. I see. Um, by the way, how big is your team at Boston Tactics right now? 
Uh, I'm just trying to think if I can say that. <laughs> Let's just say it's 5 to 10 people without putting really specifics. Yeah, um, and anything like, is, is there any tactic or knack that you could sort of like um, gain the visibility and to get a promotion in a rather uh, short period of time? like? Um, yeah, how, how did you manage to do that? There's no shortcut, you just have to do a good job. Cool. And yeah, and uh, let's talk about some career growth. Um, yeah, switch on topic here. So um, as an analyst, like um, how, how do you deal with the corporate relationships? Like, for example, how do you manage up? How do you like manage with peers and how do you like manage down like with your teammates or team members? Um, good question. Well, um, kind of looking upwards, right? Managing up, uh, number one thing is you have to deliver. You have to meet your timelines. You have to, you know, deliver what you have promised. Um, and um, just also be very transparent, respect the hierarchy. Um, you know, every corporation have a hierarchy and traditional corporations have, you know, layers of hierarchy. There is a reason for that. Don't try to, you know, outsmart and try to, you know, skip the line and report directly to the VP or try to talk to a director or something like that. That's um, not good for you. Um, so. So, so be trans be transparent, um, and um, and and um, and yeah, and just respect the hierarchy. Um, well, at the same level, so you know, at like a same level, kind of colleague level, just be helpful. Uh, don't do things like though that's not my responsibility. So, you know, brush them, brush them uh, off. You know, try to be that helpful. Uh, person that doesn't mean you have to do their job it's just that when they have a question and you happen to know a little bit about it point them to the right direction do little favors for them because you know you can also that that makes you you can also ask some favors back mm -hmm, i see so build relationships absolutely absolutely um and to your um uh to your um uh employees or or your um team members that you're not to to your direct reports i guess be helpful again mm -hmm. um be encouraging and give a lot of feedbacks okay cool cool oh uh, yeah that's so interesting and um another topic another interesting question i actually was like curious want to ask you is like how important is data to you as an analyst like um you know, Boston Scientific is a Fortune 500 company. It's a really big corporate. Like, what if you cannot get the data you need for work? How would you deal with that situation? Data is everything. Uh, I mean, if you don't have data, you have nothing to, to analyze. Um, um, and, and yes, there are a lot of data out there. And uh, most of the time, data doesn't come readily available. So you just have to go find it. And that's, that's part of the work as, as, as an analyst, you know, it's not just about, you know, analyzing results or building the model and read the model output. That's like the last 20% of the work. 
most of the work is going to be on finding data, validate, validating it, make sure it's uh, useful, clean, actually reliable. Um, uh, so yeah, that's why you need to build a lot of relationship because it's nobody's gonna give you stuff, clean data from the beginning. Okay. You need to you need to find it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that. Yeah, another question is about like, what's the most difficult part of data analysis aside from finding the data? Like, how do you confer it? Well, uh, like the actual, you know, modeling or advanced modeling, that's never the hard part. Um, the hard part would be the business, business insights or kind of like functional barriers inside the data, meaning you do not own this piece of data. You found this somewhere. Um, it probably has a bunch of fields that looks like codes to you, and you have no idea what that means. Um, and instead of you know you kind of just twirling at it, um, you simply need to find out what's uh, what's the meaning behind it. So this is when once again you know communication and reaching out to people really comes in handy. Um, you cannot solve the puzzle by yourself because you're not from that function. You need to reach out um, and you need to, you know, escalate when necessary. Okay. I see. Um, um, was there any time like, uh, like you found the data, but you were not able to sort of like decipher it or find out the basis function there? Uh, if it was, uh, if it happened before, how did you deal with this situation? Well, if you don't, if you can't decipher it, then reach out for help and try to find somebody that can help you. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, and another question is about like your rich experience, like um, in supply chain. Like I see you have almost ten years of experience as a supply chain analyst, and Data analysts have changed a lot in the last past years. So what are the changes in this field from your viewpoint? Now, first of all, I don't think I have worked 10 years as an analyst. I'm not that old yet. Um, I have witnessed the industry probably over a span of 10 years. So I think I can answer that question, though. Um, it has changed, but at the same time, it has not. If you really think about it, you know, there's there has not been a whole lot of breakthrough technology or breakthrough algorithms. We feel like machine learning and AI is something new, but to be honest, these those were topics in universities and there were hundreds of, of uh, papers on them, at least from 20 years ago. So, um, uh, you know, some of the tools that we use now existed a long time ago. R was already very established when I was in, in college, and that was, uh, let's just say a while ago, more than 10 years ago. Uh, uh, Python was uh, was already existing language back then. Uh, so uh, a lot of the tools are actually the same. Um, what has changed, I would say, is the um, distribu uh, distributed computational uh, system. So it's a lot more easier now to analyze big data and to work on big databases. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's a big challenge back then when you simply just, you, your computer can simply cannot handle that much work.
Okay, I see. And so basically right now you, you have the access and you have all the equipment to analyze big data. Am I correct? Sort of. Um, yeah, I mean, the same tools can be used on the same side, like SQL uh, was, ex you know, existed for probably 30 years now, and it was meant for big data. It's just that back then when computation power was a, was a problem, not a whole lot of people were able to use it, whereas now, you know, it's a more common skill set. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, amazing. And um, yeah, another question is about like, um, how do you push back? Like, in my opinion, like the most memorable part of analyst work is to provide insights for the business or for the stakeholders. But uh, what if the stakeholders don't buy your insights? And yeah, in that situation, how do you like reinforce or push back or deal with this kind of scenario? If they don't buy it, that probably means you didn't present it well enough. If your analysis was solid um, and you have proven, uh, you know, with, you know, uh, charts or uh, good communication, your approach, your assumptions, um, then, uh, you know, rarely will there be case where people just say, I just don't believe you. If that's the case, uh, just, you know, skip that person. It's, it, he's probably not a decision decision maker. So, uh, so yeah, but, uh, but, you know, there will be back and forth, right? Because um, you will need to clarify your, your assumptions. There could be things that you haven't considered. In that case, just kind of work with the people um, understand your concern, um, see how you can iterate on it, and, uh, and you know, reach a woman situation. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, yeah, you, you raised a very, like, interesting part, which is presentation. Like, how do you, most of the time, like, prepare a good presentation so you can, I don't know, tell a good story and let people buying or let all the stakeholders be on the same page? Do you have any knack or techniques you can share? Um, I mean, uh, I'm probably not like the best in making these type of presentations. Maybe like a consultant can do it better. <laughs> but um, but by all means, make it short and sweet. Make don't don't okay. try to display everything that you're doing. Um, put out your conclusions out so people can get to the point very quickly without getting distracted. Um, and, um, just, uh, just be confident and be able to answer every single question they toss at you. Mm -hmm. So be prepared, get concise, don't confuse people and yeah. And try to, I don't know, um, have something back up, right? Well, be confident if you did analysis and, and you are you know, at a point where you're presenting it, then you should be confident and very knowledgeable of, of, of all the process in between, so. I see, I see, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Cool, cool. Uh, let's just sort of switch the gear and come to the, maybe the most important part, which is like hiring. So I know she like, uh, you're your manager. So uh, in your perspective, what does a successful data analyst look like? Well, um, 
definitely somebody with solid quantitative skills. Um, somebody that is curious and will, willing to learn. Um, now, a lot of people, you know, coming out of school or coming out of their prior job, they might not have seen all the advanced tools. They might not know SQL. They might not know R. Uh, they might not have touched machine learning before or uh, even, you know, seen like a data lake before. That's all okay. As long as the person okay. is okay. is smart and show that they have a uh, quick learning curve mm -hmm. um, and they have a good data sense, then that's fine. Um, another thing that we really look for is good communication because uh, being an analyst is not just a person in a cubicle doing its own work. It's a lot of communication upwards, downwards, uh, matrix format. So you absolutely need somebody who can make friends and who can talk and who can express themselves. I see. So smart person with a quick learning, I don't know, habit or ability, and he or she needs to communicate very well. Right? Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And when it comes to hiring or interview, what are some red flags like that would definitely, um, I don't know, sort of exasperate this kind of interview for you? Or yeah, um, I mean, my biggest red flag is if the person switched job a lot. Switch job a lot. When you say switch job a lot, like how how frequently or what's the interval for you? Like one year, half a year? Or... Well, for me, a work experience under half a year is not valid. Um, why? Why do you, why do you say that? It's like, uh, it's too short for them to get familiar with the data or with the business? No, um, the, uh, the, the analysis and modeling part, that a lot of people can do. Um, what really makes an analyst excel is, like I said, their ability to understand. First of all, they need to understand the industry. They need to understand the company. If, um, and they need to understand really how the company functions and how the people pieces of data fit, uh, fit together. That does not come easy and that does not come in like a short period of time. So if somebody only worked at a company for say like three months and they're trying to tell me that I did a great job there, I helped the company save, I don't know, $5 million, that simply is not true. That's something that you wouldn't buy in, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, internship opportunities are certainly good. Usually they will pack up sort of a, you know, smaller scale project for you to get some exposure. Um, but when we come to talk about like, you know, real work experiences, uh, I would, to me, you know, one year is sort of a minimum. One year is minimum. Is there any like limit? for the maximum of the years like if a person come to you and like let's say she has like 10 years or 20 years in the same company is that a red flag for you or no 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 okay no. why uh, why no well the red flag might be if they work somewhere in 20 years then i would imagine their 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 their, their, their age is not the youngest and in mm -hmm. that case they might not have enough exposure to some of the newer tools um, okay. But if they're willing to learn, then um, and then they show that they have the capability to learn and 
learn very quickly, then that's not a problem at all. Um, um, now, usually these type of people would not look for, um, you know, entry level positions um, after like, you know, 15 years of work. They probably have, you know, better places to go with internal reference and, and whatnot. But um, showing your um, persistence um, at a company um, to me and, and to my colleague, it is a good thing because we are, or may, maybe it's industry specific, us in, in healthcare industry, um, we value loyalty a lot. And we have a lot of employees that would work within the company for easily over 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool, cool. Uh, and aside from like the lens of the your experience, what are some other red flags like you sort of could not tolerate uh, during the interview? Um, well, uh, people, uh, well, uh, not, nothing like super apparent, I guess. Like, I mean, it's just, uh, Sometimes when people try to package themselves as a very advanced skill level or something like that, uh, they would use a lot of big words, but uh, they just can't talk details. That just means they don't do the work. So, so basically you can tell, right? If they use too many fanboy words, but without any concrete details. Okay, that's a red flag. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Cool, cool. And how about like we just uh, like reverse our mindset? What are some good interview examples that impressed you a lot or yeah, still make you remember? Could you share some instance with us? Um, well, there's no trick to a good interview. Um, usually interviews that I held um, have a technical exercise portion of it. And then also, you know, some soft skills, that, that kind of stuff, behavioral questions. Um, now the, um, and the technical exercises are not meant to be super hard, but it will give me and my colleague, colleagues a good sense of how strong the person's data sense is. Um, we will, for example, present a fairly complex dashboard with uh, mul multiple levels of dimensions in it, meaning, you know, different axes, different colors, uh, different shapes and things like that. And um, it's just some people will be able to grasp, grasp all that information very quickly. Some people do not. Um, so I guess it's just when we see good data sets from candidates, um, that's a very, very positive sign. Um, some, some people can went to school for a long time, um, having had, you know, a lot of certificates or took all the courses, but it's just, uh, the data sense is just not there. Data sense is not there. Can you yeah. train your data sets or it comes with your instinct or your... You, you can absolutely, you can absolutely train it if you work hard enough, uh, right, actually do 
do a, a lot of uh, work, relevant work in, in, in whatever whatever field. I mean, you can be a marketing analyst or you can be a production analyst and you can be a finance analyst. It doesn't like the data sense transfers like seamlessly. Okay. I see. He also applied to like, you can transfer your industry, but apply the same like data sense. Absolutely. Yes. Cool. 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 Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah, I know some audience or most of others might be around like, um, junior level or students who need to apply for jobs. So do you have any suggestion for them if they need to apply or land their first job? Um, um, be very transparent and, and be very honest. If you haven't had a lot of work experience, you can't dress it up and pretend you do. So, um, and if somebody decided to interview you, they already know that you're very junior and they don't expect you to kind of, you know, have the same level of, uh, 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 you know, kind of like work, um, um, how do you seasoning, um, as, as somebody who does have a lot of work, work experience. So don't try to dress it up and don't overkill it. Just be very honest. Um, and number one important thing is that you show that you are enthusiastic about the position. You are enthusiastic about data and, um, you are willing and can learn quickly. So that's, uh, that's something very positive about these junior level candidates. I see. So just be transparent, like be where you are right now and be confident and enthusiastic about the company or data, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Be, be, uh, be confident and be comfortable where you are. Everybody is, is junior once. So everybody will understand. Um, just, uh, don't try to overpackage yourself. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. How about how about some mid-level or senior-level analysts who who need to like switch their job? Like, um, is it the same thing, or it might be a little bit different? Like, well, I mean, for junior um, positions, then um, you know the company will have to teach you and and bring you up to speed and, and mature you on you know what's the proper ways to work, right? How to professionally communicate among colleagues how, and things like that and how do you know actually handle expectations in the project and things like that for a more you know experienced person we would have sort of just assumed that that's already there now what's important for people with years of experience looking to maybe transfer into a different field or try something new um, um, or just you know switch company um, it's just that, um, as long as they demonstrate their willingness to learn and adopt, then that is, uh, then that it should be good. Okay, cool, cool. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, finally, uh, we are almost coming to an end. Um, uh, let's talk about something like casual or more casual. Um, like, um, how do you continue to grow? Like, or I don't know, sort of absorb knowledge in your daily life. Like, do you have any recommendations on the books, podcasts, or the show you read or watch every day? 
Um, <laughs> um, well, or you just well, relax in your daily, in your daily life. Well, no, well, I mean, workers, workers work, um, and uh, certainly there are uh, ways to develop. Um, now, uh, this, you know, once you get into the adult life, right, there's a lot more than work, yeah. and uh, you know, you're not trying to get a higher degree, uh, sorry, higher grade on a test or anything. So um, um, you don't have to devote your your after work hour life to, to work. That's not actually not recommended. Um, uh, now, however, um, I would encourage to, uh, you know, people to kind of participate a lot in um, uh, in conventions, you know, in your industry uh, or in around your area. Um, for example, you know, the, the gardener conferences, um, um, there are a lot of uh, uh, sort of like uh, network opportunities um, uh, uh, in, in the area. I'm sure wherever you are, there, there are a lot of conventions of that sort. And I'm sure whichever company you work for, they have a series of training opportunities, um, which will kind of, you know, if you want to learn project management, they will offer a course here and there. And, you know, if you have not touched machine learning before and you're really curious on what that is, uh, you know, they, there is probably a seminar or something offered somewhere. So um, just try to look for, um, Networking op network opportunities and try to gain up to up to date industrial knowledge. These will never hurt, um, and just be on lookout for the new tools and technologies out there. Um, and if you have the time to actually attend these technical seminars, uh, you know you can look for them on Eventbrite or uh, a lot of academic institutions will uh, host these um, publicly. I know Harvard does, I know MIT does, uh, you know, follow some of these uh, academic institutions um, and you will find a lot of um, fun um, resources. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that, that's actually very helpful. So uh, right now we are going to open up some space and time for the fans and audience to connect with Chi and yeah. Just feel free to raise your hands and ask Chi any questions. And later on, we are we will um, post the content of this podcast on um, our Twitter, on our LinkedIn, and also the content information of our guests. So yeah, feel free to just uh, follow up with our Twitter or LinkedIn and get connect with the audience. So yeah, let's welcome. Uh, yeah, okay. Mm, CF Leo, uh, do you have any questions for? Hi, hi, Tab. Just trying. Um, uh, I think for like uh, hi, Chi and uh, hi. Uh, nice so, meeting you. Nice to meet you. So basically, I have a question about for like entry level analysts. How okay. do you do? Uh, like I know, like data analysts, you have to choose an uh, industry. Like for you, you chose like supply chain. Um, could you tell me, like, like for like entry level, how do I? choose my industry and how do I like group, like find a way to or like grow in that industry or maybe later if I don't like that industry how do I like switch 
is is it like a higher uh, standpoint that to like to switch uh, for me for, like for me to switch to another industry? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Now, at the beginning, obviously, if you haven't worked, then um, you, you don't you don't really know what uh, what 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 you really want, right? So I would recommend you to start something that you're passionate about. For example, if you're um, like an environmental person and you're passionate about climate change or something, um, then maybe look for companies in in, in that category or uh, uh, you know it, it, you know or uh, is a pioneer in that uh, in in that front. Um, now, uh, like I said before, these. Um, data sense and uh, data analytical skills, they are completely transferable from industry to industry. What you will lose is just that um, uh, industry insights you learned over uh, over a few years, for example, you know, medical and healthcare uh, supply chain is very different from consumable, uh, you know, like sort of like day-to-day uh, household products supply chain and very different from, I don't know, like fruit and vegetables, for example. Um, but the skills are completely transferable, so you're not losing much. So don't be uh, afraid to change industries if you really feel like you don't like what you're doing right now. Um, however, I, I would recommend, you know, take internship opportunities, try um a lot of different things you know try the marketing stuff try the finance stuff uh try the supply chain stuff right um uh, early on in your career when it's still very easy to um to um uh jump around um when you're say like you know 10 years in um as like maybe you work in the auto industry and all of a sudden you would like to go into music or something, then that certainly is a bit harder. Um, so I would just recommend try a lot of things when you can when you're young um, and, uh, and, you know, go for it. Don't, don't worry too much about it. Cool. Thank you. Cool, cool. Oh, can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so um, I actually have a pretty practical question. So, what does the upward mobility look like for analysts? Say, like for supply chain analysts, uh, well, how, how do you move up uh, in your career? Um, how do you kind of uh, build this, uh, you know, really scalable trajectory for your career as a supply chain analyst? I used to be a financial analyst. I used to work in investment bank. So, I understand that uh, everybody's a uh, Analyst, then you become associate, then you become a VP, director, managing director. But this is very, very different across different industry. Like as a supply chain analyst, like financial, financial analyst, like digital marketing analyst, are they all very, like, do they all have like very different uh, career trajectory when it comes to upward mobility? Um, each industry is different. So uh, I can probably only kind of speak to the more conventional manufacturing and, and, and distribution type of um, industries so or more traditional type of uh, companies. Um, what I can tell you is the upwards potential of an analyst, um, no matter your marketing analyst or, or, or you know, supply chain analyst, is very large. Um, 
and and that's partly because now with the increased power of computation that's available to us nowadays, and with the increased amount of data and and how much data is governing um, the way for companies function nowadays, there will be more and more analyst positions in every single company, um, and um, and and these analyst bodies will. Get more visibility and more power, and be more uh, become more and more the core competencies of each company. Meaning, you know, if you start off as an analyst, if you work hard enough, you will certainly be able to、uh, get to a managerial level, get to a director level. There will be plenty of positions,、um, uh, uh, you know, with these requiring analyst、uh, analytical backgrounds,、um, and、uh, certainly, I mean. If you do well enough,、um, and you, you might make it to the C suite, so it's and become the COO. That's、hmm. completely possible. So、um, now, once again, I cannot speak for all industries. I have no idea about financial industry. That's probably something very different.、Um, but、uh, for more traditional firms,、um, the possibilities、uh, is 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 pretty endless. Gosh, that's very interesting. Let me just follow up on the question. So,、uh, you just mentioned that there's definitely a growing population of、uh, analysts in at least supply chain、uh, industry. Do you think, like, this kind of competition will actually、uh, make upward mobility more of an issue for like entry level analysts?、Um, Do you see more competition、um, for the entry level analysts now nowadays? There will be competition.、Um, But I don't think it's at a point where you know we're seeing any sort of bottleneck. I think it, we're still very much in that、uh, honeymoon climbing period where there there will be more openings、um, than、uh, than competition. Let's just say that more opportunities than than、uh, than competition. So we're we're at like a somewhat sweet spot still in the demand supply of, of analysts, if you will.、Um, Now,、uh, that being said, though,、uh, there are more and more academic programs dedicated to data analytics.、Uh, you know, we、mm-hmm. see, you know, more and more people are learning SQL and Python straight out of schools, right? So, absolutely, you know, there will be newer, smarter, younger batch of analysts coming out um, uh, uh, out of the school and, and onto. The competing career paths、um, uh, year after year, so it's really important then for the existing people to keep up with the latest uh, uh, technologies and softwares and tools、um, to really stay competitive. Now, if you do stay competitive, I and and you know just work hard and be a very smart person.、Um, Uh, I, I don't see, you know,、uh, upwards mobility being a bottleneck. Gosh, that's well, that's very interesting. So,、uh, let me just reiterate、uh, your point. So, you're saying that well, learning different tools will actually help you differentiate.、Uh, having like different skill sets will actually、uh, help you differentiate. Since、uh, we're kind of in this booming era of, I guess, cloud computing and、um, you know,、uh, different kind of tools. So. Would you would you recommend younger analysts,、uh, especially in our audience today, to actually, you know, just go to master some of the, I guess, 
tools, uh, tougher tools, um, some of the more unique technology there to kind of in order to differentiate ourselves. Um, absolutely. I think, you know, if you have bandwidth to, to learn and to get exposed, uh, then what is not only in the school curriculum, uh, that is an absolute plus. Like when I'm a hiring manager, I'm looking at uh, resumes and I see that somebody has self-learned uh, some analytical tools. Um, they have, uh, you know, it's that eagerness to learn and the ability to learn by yourself, that's very, very much treasured um, by uh, corporate teams and, and managers. So uh, I, I think that's absolutely a plus. Now, don't kill yourself over it, right? It's like some people, when they want a consulting job, they would, you know, practice consulting questions uh, for months and months as if, you know, they're, you know, uh, that's like life, life and death. Now, don't kill yourself over it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Make sure, right, make sure you're, you're comfortable with it and you like it, right? You have to really like it. Don't force yourself to learn something that you just absolutely hate just to get a job. In that case, that job is probably not right for you. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. thank you for Vince's very, like, um, enriched uh, questions. Like, I also see a hands raising up there. So, um, yeah, I'm going to um, let Eleanor, like, do you have any questions for Chi? Hello, Chi. Nice to meet you. I'm Eleanor. I'm, I'm doing my master in Canada, and I'm also going to do a COP in health sector as an analyst as well. So I'm really interested in like uh, how you perceive like uh, the data analyst industry, data analyst job in general in Canada, especially in health sector. Um. So um, I I don't think there is like an international barrier to this. The fact that um, you know. Um, uh, we're in this booming age, uh, as the prior uh, uh, participant asked, uh, of uh, data computing, and we're in this explosive age of everybody is getting more data. Um, I don't think that has international barrier. So um, I- I'm sure the companies in data in Canada also has this growing need for um, for for analysts. Um, so I, I think you're very much in the in, in the sweet spot there. Um, now, Canadian healthcare system, however, is a little bit different in that because it's centrally uh, man- managed, right? Like me being a Canadian myself, I know because it's healthcare free for all. Um, most of the contracts are negotiated at the national level. Um, there is fewer numbers of players and not that much competition in in the field. You know, all the big players are there. But it's kind of like an equilibrium state. So the um, so the sense of urgency is, I'm going to say, a little bit uh, behind if you were to compare to uh, the healthcare industry in in um, in the U.S. or uh, maybe in China, um, where you know, everybody it's like a bloodbath, right? Everybody has to compete, and um, if this company can provide a better vendor management system where this company simply provides better data transparency or something like that, that might give them an edge. So Canada might be slightly behind there, 
Um, however, it being a very developed country, um, I uh, am very developed in the healthcare front. I s still think there should be plenty of um, of opportunities. So go ahead and look for it. Um, and by all means, if you 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 know don't like what you find and you feel like the opportunities in Canada are limited, you are not bounded by the border. Uh, you're very welcome to try to find something in the U.S. Um, thank you. And actually, I have a follow-up question because yeah. I'm now in Vancouver, okay. and this rumor says that like there are barely entry-level analyst job in Vancouver. So I'm actually I'm wondering like if you have any suggestion that can like suggested position that may possibly combine like qualitative analysis together with quantitative analysis. Um, uh, analysis is never only quantitative. So, so the qualitative part is, is always there, no matter what type of analysis you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I am not completely familiar with the Vancouver market. Uh, however, Vancouver is not really an industry center, right? Like, I don't think a lot of companies, for example, headquarter there and such. So maybe that's part of why the um, opportunities there is a little bit limited. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know how... Um, decided you are staying in the Vancouver area um, but I think from a Canadian from a Canada perspective because I'm Canadian uh, I think the uh, opportunities in Toronto and Montreal will probably be a bit more even Ottawa that that tends to be a, a healthcare uh, focused city because it's closer to the uh, to, to the Congress there um, but yeah and if you're if you're not um, geographically bounded by all means like you know not too far from Vancouver Seattle has plenty yeah, for more sure. opportunities mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thank you cool 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 um anyone okay I see there's a question popping up from Jie uh, Jie do you have any questions for uh, Chi oh hi uh Chi yeah this is Jie um I have a question uh, in terms of like uh from career development perspective okay. um so i wonder like so as a data analyst if you like grow and then it will be like senior level and principal level so but also there is a management ladder you can become a manager so i wonder like how do you train yourself to be a manager or a good manager um that's a great question um i think the number one thing you need to do is you um cannot stay away from responsibilities. Um, you need to step, step up and start to take more responsibilities. Something that I really like, like I don't remember the exact quote is, if you want to be at another level, be at another position, then from today onwards, you need to work, you know, do the level of work at that position. Meaning if you want to get promoted to be a manager, you need to act like a manager and work as a manager starting from today. And, and trust me, that will be very visible to your, um, uh, uh, you know, to your superiors and, and, and leadership and, and, and above. So really start taking responsibilities, um, ask more questions, become like, you know, the know-how person and naturally pe that people will kind of like naturally come to you and ask you for questions and ask for you for help. And that will be very, very visible to your colleagues' eyes. And uh, when, the, uh, when, when there's a vacancy position coming up, um, 
you know, go for it, apply for it, or even just proactively directly talk to your manager and say, I would like to advance in my career. Um, I think I'm ready to be a manager. Is there an opportunity for me there? Um, most managers like myself, including myself, were very, very open to um, conversations like that. Um, and, you know, some somebody like a manager like me would directly work with you and tell you, here are some of the places where you still lack. Um, if you really, or, you know, if you really want to try something like that, then I will try to assign you a project that has more ownership and responsibility in it to kind of bring you up to speed and really test you out. So um, I would say really step up and um, don't be afraid of telling people that, or at least your manager, that uh, that's something that you, you, you're looking towards. Thanks. Um, yeah, this is really helpful. Cool, cool. Is there any follow-up questions for Chi? Anyone who wants to raise up their hands? Uh, okay, I actually have one, maybe a nice one for Chi and a follow-up. So you, you talk like uh, if you want to be promoted to the next level, you, you need to start to do the next level things or responsibilities starting today, right? So if you are not a manager, yet how could you sort of like manage others or be do the things that managers do like you don't actually manage people yet right do you get what i mean so, yes and, and you know that told me immediately that you're probably not a manager yeah oh okay yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah probably yeah. have not managed people so uh, uh i mean the responsibility of a manager is not just people management uh you know people manager is a, a one type of manager, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when I say take ownership and start practicing responsibilities, uh, it's not just uh, from the people perspective or mm -hmm. project management perspective. It means, you know, maybe you're currently a junior level analyst or you're, you have this daily routine thing that you're just assigned to do every single day, right? Mm -hmm. Well, try to look into it and although you're fulfilling your job by just kind of like refreshing it and repeat the same thing uh, over and over again um try to think of ways to uh make it more efficient try to automate it try to bring a, a, a new tool in that will make it easier right and or make your manager's job a little easier mm -hmm. so you know there are different things that you can do um, to uh, augment the augment your work and really show that you know you take first of all take initiatives mm -hmm. and um, you do a great job in, in delivering and you mm -hmm. really care. Cool. So uh, I think yeah you should start from from that. Now people management skills will come naturally and your first managerial job, will never be managed like an entire team of people. It would start small. And mm -hmm. that's for a reason. That's because if you have never managed people before, it will take some time for you to learn. For, for me, you know, I'm not a great, probably a, a fantastic people manager yet. I'm in that learning phase. Um, so, um, so, 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 yeah, don't think of management just as in, you know, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 that exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, so just take initiative 
and start doing incremental things and start helping your team or your manager a lot easier, right? Cool, cool. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, uh, we are running out of time. So anyone who wants to connect with Chi or ask Chi any questions, just kindly raise up your hand and I will, um, yeah, I will put on your microphone. Anyone else? Um, I'm experiencing a, an awkward silence, but yeah, um, if, if there's no more questions, like, yeah, and I would like to, like, thank you all for coming to this podcast. And this is our, like, uh, our first episode. And please feel free to follow me or follow this Data Talks room and um, come to our Twitter, uh, Twitter slash Team Echo or come to our linking page, linking slash company slash Team Echo. We will... Um, organize all the podcast content and also cheese uh, our guest content information uh, in case that you need to connect with her or um, apply for any job etc on linking um, so yeah and thank you Chi and thank you all guys for participating in this podcast uh, yeah it's it's really insightful and yeah and interesting yeah and yeah she hope you have a great night <laughs> And a great weekend. Well, thank you for having me once again. And thank you for all the great questions. Um, I'm happy to help at any time. And like Tap said, um, if you would like to connect with me or have more questions with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and um, I'm always um, happy to help. Well, have a great weekend, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye.